Bad Michael. Bad Michael. Oh, don't hurt me, James. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Whoa, that sounded like a creepy old oak door being slowly opened in a haunted mansion. That's what I was going for, so I'm glad you think I nailed it. I could see uh, Evil Men listeners in the future analyzing your intros and tr- like like uh that stanley kubrick movie about the shining trying to find all the hidden messages yeah. and oh. people will go back and be like what did chris mm-hmm. mean in that intro yeah. with that creaky door thing it must mean yeah, you yeah. Know, and you know they think that stanley kubrick faked the explosion of the space shuttle challenger isn't that what the rumor is <laughs> yeah i think they do and now maybe they'll think chris faked a disaster is Stanley Kubrick an evil man because he faked the moon landing? He's also, I think, didn't he torture every actor he worked with by making mm. them do 400 takes? Yes. Not nice. Well, as someone who'd love a couple extra roles, 400 takes doesn't sound too bad to me. No. <laughs> How about, you know... And I'll... then you'd be in a classic, too. But yeah. if you think about it, I was watching uh, the moon landing the other day. Oh, holy uh, shit. On Criterion I... Collection. <laughs> Right, and it does have a lot of similarities to A Clockwork Orange, <laughs> right? Because mm. you, you, when you see Neil Armstrong go one small step for man, one giant step for mankind, and then yeah. dot dot dot, and then he goes, ah, that's I blew it. I was supposed to say something else. Mm. You see three droogs kicking the shit out of a homeless man, <laughs> yeah. in the back. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I guess now that you mention it, um, it was odd that Neil Armstrong had that white cane. <laughs> Yeah, and he kept saying, "Why bring it? Why bring it to the moon? There's yeah. there's no reason you need a cane on the moon." He also famously, after he said, "One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind," he said, "Oh, leap! Sorry, it's time." One leap. He said, "It's time for a bit of the old ultraviolence." Yeah, yeah, that always struck me as odd. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it didn't seem, <clears throat> yeah, it didn't seem appropriate. Or what about when he cut? Uh, <laughs> Buzz Aldrin's hand and then pushed him into the big deep moon crater. Yeah. That seemed kind of psychotic, like something yeah. Alex would do. And when Buzz Aldrin, um, to reference another movie, he sat down and just typed and typed and typed and typed. Yeah. And then when he wasn't there, um, uh, the other astronauts came and looked at what he had been typing. Mm. And do you know what it said? What? All moon landing and no, nothing else makes an astronaut a dull astronaut. <laughs> You know, now that I'm thinking about it, there might be other Kubrick in- uh, influences in the moon landing, too. Remember? Like so, what? Well, Neil Armstrong lands on the moon. He says his line. And then remember he wandered down to that crater, and there were all these billionaires in masks having sex with women mm-hmm. in some big orgy? Yeah. Orgy? yeah. Oh, my God. Doesn't that make you think, now that now that we're yeah. me- realizing, make you think of Eyes Wide Shut? Now that we bring Absolutely. up Eyes Wide Shut, can we finally talk about this and i don't just mean we as in the three of us but i mean we as like a society okay eyes wide shut yeah how's that possible okay what I the can hell is, this. is he talking about it's yeah. it's eyes yeah wide, 
That's open. The title I, yeah. made me too afraid to see it when it no, came no. out. No, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I can explain this to you guys. It's like, are you on acid, no, no. dude? That's the thing. He knows it's a play on words. Okay. So he knows it's supposed to be eyes wide open. Right. But he's just doing, having a bit of fun with it. That's it? So it's, that's it. The title is literally this famous director just having a little fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It has nothing to do he with... He knows that you can't have your eyes wide shut. What are your eyes? Really wide suddenly? Like it, He knows what he's doing. Trust me. He's well, really the movie is about Timothy Chalamet or whatever. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. <laughs> whatever. Um, being mad about uh, his wife's Fantasy? She, yeah. Oh my! I rewatched it recently. Yeah. He's mad because his wife is too hot. Is that sort of what the plot is? Yeah, sort of. His, 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 you know, Nicole Kidman's his wife, and one night they get in a fight, and she's like, "I remember running into this Navy guy, and I would have done anything to have sex with him." And then he's like, "Wow, thanks a lot, hun." Uh, well, this wasn't on my bingo card. Yeah, that's not what I needed to hear. <laughs> and basically. <laughs> He goes on a late night doctor call and and he's sort of mad about his wife. Why did she the hell did she just have this fantasy? Why didn't they yeah. call the movie Pissed Off Doctor? Yeah, well, not a bad idea. <laughs> Pissed <laughs> off Stanley horny doctor. Pissed off doctor. <clears throat> anyway, he goes on this sexual odyssey in the yeah. in but London. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. He basically just is totally impotent the whole way, but kind of goes into these creepy places and uh, it he, should be called Pants Wide Shut. Exactly. Because he never pulls it out. Or it should be called, uh, why bother? Just wank off. Yeah. Wank. Yeah. How about this? The Angry Wanking Doctor. (laughs) A new film from Stanley. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I, uh, all kidding aside, I am a big fan of Stanley Kubrick. I mean, he did the moon landing. Yeah. Barry Lyndon. He had a mustache too, didn't he? Or was it a beard? Beard. He also did. He shot that film where the rocket hits the moon in the eye. That was in the Smashing Pumpkins video. Yeah, he directed that as well. That's why they hired him to do the moon landing. Yeah, I know. He also directed. (laughs) um, That was actually called 2001: A Space Odyssey, and that's the big weird ending. Oh, the rocket hits the moon's eye. Right. What about Ghosts of Girlfriends Past? He directed that one with Matthew McConaughey, I think. Um, About yeah. Yeah, I think he, he did also, 13 going on 30. And you know that one with Matthew Days McConaughey and Steve Zahn, and they're in the desert? Yeah, Sahara with Penelope, Penelope, Penelope Cruz. Cruz. Yeah. I think Kubrick did Sahara. I think he did Sahara as well. I liked his Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> By Stanley Kubrick. You know... <laughs> Stanley Kubrick directed Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters. <laughs> He made them do 100,000 takes <laughs> yeah. of the blowjob. Yeah. He slimed me. He slimed me. He slimed me three. He slimed me four. He slimed me five. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I, did, I did read for real about Eyes Wide Shut, and apparently Tom Cruise was like, I want so bad to impress Stanley. You know, like he really was like, whatever you say. He was I'm, a big Barry Lyndon fan. <laughs> he wanted Stanley Kubrick to know. He's like, he genuinely was like, Ever Stanley wants, like, I'm on board. You know, he's so intense. But yeah. Stanley apparently really fucked with him. Like I know this. About. I know what you're going to say, and I mm. love it. And he, so. Just wanted to put that out there. Okay. Thank you for noting that. <laughs> Everyone at home, mark it on your scorecards. I, uh, so 
so, you know, Tom's like, I'm so excited to work with Stanley Kubrick, you know, and, um, but it's interesting because the character gets really cucked, right? Yeah. And so Stanley does it with Tom Cruise as well. There's a scene in the movie where Nicole Kidman has, where he imagines Nicole Kidman having sex with that sailor. And they were married uh, at the time of Kidman this movie. and Cruise. Kidman and Cruise were married, yes. So there's a, a, scene, a scene in the movie where Tom Cruise is imagining Nicole Kidman and this sailor. It's like 10 seconds. And Stanley Kubrick... I can't remember how long, but he took like a week to shoot it or something. And Tom Cruise wasn't allowed on set. So he was like actually trying to actually bother Tom Cruise, much like his character is bothered. Right. So it's like actually really that crazy. Been you know torture for Tom Cruise to think that his his beautiful woman wife was having sex with another man and not him. You yeah, know what I mean? I'm sure that was very distressing. Yeah. That's meta is what they call it. Yeah. But it's interesting, too, because... You know, Tom Cruise is amazing in movies. He is. But he's corny, yeah. right? Yeah. And in the movie, his character's kind of a corny loser. Yeah. But I kind of feel like it's real Tom Cruise. Like, I feel like we're kind of laughing at him being corny, but Tom Cruise doesn't know that we're kind of laughing that he's sincerely corny, if that makes sense. Whoa. That just I just feel my like brain. he's messing with him in the whole movie. It's well, yeah, I think you're right. No, I think it's a meta trick. Yeah, you know what I heard, and therefore an uh, actual uh, com uh, comment on all of Hollywood in general. Damn, can I ask you guys something for real? Uh, let me think, Chris. It's the intro to Evil Man. This is a place where all questions and answers. It, it's are... like an ancient Greece, you know, yeah. where all the everyone got together and discussed yeah. issues. Symposium, and, yeah. yeah, symposium. That's right. Yeah. But you're right. The intro part to Evil Men is like the symposium. Absolutely. Do you want to know a funny story just talk, we're talking about that, Chris? Mm-hmm. And, I was and then t- I'll get back to my question. I wanted to ask you. That wasn't the question. In confidence. Uh, yeah. When I was, I, I took, you know, I took philosophy classes at university and I took an ancient yeah. Greek. I'm picturing you now as yeah. a young student on the campus sure. of the University of Toronto, James. Yep. And you're showing up to class an eager beaver wearing a toga, <laughs> but you've also got a pipe for some reason. Okay, and you've got a blazer with the arm, uh, sh- uh, elbow patches. Yes, yeah. and you've got a little briefcase, and um, you're writing with a quilled mm. pen, mm. like a feather. You've got a black goatee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You drink espresso all the mm-hmm. time, and yep. you have a saxophone <laughs> and all, a bag, a handbag, like a. A tote bag full of jazz records. Yeah, yeah. Was that you? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much me in a nutshell, for sure. Um, I was in this uh, ancient Greek philosophy class, and the professor yeah. was uh, Israeli. He had like yeah. an accent, mm-hmm. and he he uh, he kept really uncomfortably uncomfortably bringing up the man-boy sexual relationships that were alluded to yeah, occasionally in ancient Greek philosophy. That's what I've read in all the rags. They would groom boys to teach them how to have sex. Yes, but he... It was sort of funny because he could have maybe mentioned it once and left it. Like, we get it. It's a weird thing in the history that, you know what, I don't need to dwell on. But I think he was so uncomfortable with it. He brought it up so much and reassured us so much not to think about it that yeah. it got weird in the class, I would say. He kept being like, like he just kept reiterating. He wanted to do it. Well, I'm guys. not saying that at all. I'm just saying. Did he I, keep asking who, 
Which boys here are virgins still? Did he ever call you after class to like really like hear about that thing I said today? That was really messed up, wasn't it? Want to go get coffee and talk about it? He like, didn't. And I wasn't really a boy at this point. I was a full man. But ooh. I'm just going to say for uh, ancient Greek philosophy professors out there, yeah, you can mention it once that it's a bit weird. Mm. You don't need to hit it every single class. We get it. Yeah. Why so obsessed? And also... <laughs> Were you wearing togas in class? No, this would Were have you been you know two thousand and two or <laughs> Did three. Did you have a laurel wreath around your head? No, this would have been two thousand two or three. So I was wearing your classic Gap jeans, probably a. Imagine Gap that t-shirt. Gap does learning, make good jeans. Yeah, I'm just imagining learning philosophy, learning the the most brilliant thoughts ever thought. <laughs> wearing Gap jeans. <laughs> Yeah. Possibly gap khakis, too. It wasn't too far off from the whole khaki uh, swing phase right, uh, right. craze that, uh, yeah. that that gap Socrates commercial. Socrates would be rolling in his grave, which he chose to go to on his own. Yeah. That's right. Hemlock. Can I say? Maybe Hashtag. Chris Lock. <laughs> Chris Lock, Hemlock. Chris I'm Lock. related to Hemlock. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the question I wanted to ask you guys, see, seeing as how... The shape of the intro to this has come to, it is like a symposium for the three of us where we Mm -hmm. discuss big ideas and uh, questions and uh, advice, etc. Quandaries. My quandary is, do you guys think sometimes that like the media is manipulating us? You mean like magazines and newspapers? Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty suspicious of magazines and newspapers now that you bring yeah. it up. Oh, yeah. yeah. You Time, magazines mind. and newspapers are our only outlet for information, too. So think about that. Yeah. Who controls that? Well, we all read Time, Life. McLean's. McLean's, The yeah. Atlantic, mm. uh, Home and Country. Mm. Um, yeah. All those magazines. Cottage Life. Cottage Life. Guitar World. Think of all the opinions you just absorb uh, when you read all those magazines and newspapers every day. Sometimes I'm gardening at my cottage and I'm like, wait, was this my idea or am I just doing what cottage life told me to do? (laughs) You know, I only see the world through National Geographic's eyes. I don't know who I am or what I think about Mm. ideas. Every time I learn something from National (laughs) Geographic, I'm like, what's the agenda here, though? Everyone, picture a crowded subway, Chris. Everyone on there is completely brainwashed by National Geographic magazine. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's how Trump got in. Yeah. That's the thing. Because people only read National Geographic. They don't <laughs> have any other way. You know what I mean? If all you read is National Geographic, you're going to believe yeah. that, oh, January 6th yeah. was legitimate and all yeah. this bullshit. COVID's not real. Um, I wonder before we, if we want to touch on one more thing, Mike, um, you had a update on Mama Balazzo. Here I go again. Mike's mom, what have you got to say? Well, I uh, had a patio dinner with her on Sunday, and I had one the week before, and both times she brought up that she couldn't believe the rumors about Prince William mm-hmm. uh, having an affair on uh, Kate, and she... He, he did? These are the rumors, and part of the what made my, my mom was so... Uh, 
she was giddy about this because there's a rumor that he had an affair on her, but also was uh, pegged mm-hmm. with the woman he had the affair, whose name mm-hmm. is the Marchioness of Chumley. Some sort of like um, sounds like a character on Pawn Stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just to, just to reiterate, Mike, I think it was last week or the week before. Yeah, you mentioned your mom was talking about this then, so she's still talking she's about fixated on Prince William's anus, <laughs> his shitter. Yeah. Hey, you hear about Prince William's <laughs> fucking shatter? Yeah. Yeah. Nine-year-old boy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she brought it up twice, and it is funny to imagine him having an affair because of the way he looks, A, and B, to have a, to get pegged by another uh, well, aristocrat. Is she are... attracted to Prince William? No, she despises the royal family. Uh. <laughs> so it, it is. there is something, though. You know, they're so proper, and, oh, we're above all you guys. Meanwhile, he's having affairs and getting, you know, something. Put up railed his bum. in a sun suit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's uh, it's it's salacious. Yeah, it wouldn't be if it wasn't Prince William. I mean, it would be, but you know what I'm saying. It's, I can see why people go really. It's a, it, it 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 hits different hearing that about <laughs> Prince William than say if you heard it about uh, Howard Stern. Absolutely. Yeah. Howard Stern. Yeah, he'd probably just admit it on his show. I feel like you could park a Volkswagen Jetta in Howard Stern's ass. <laughs> Here, here. Yeah, well said. <laughs> hey, Robin. Uh, yeah, I'll give you a flashlight. You can go in my ass and try to find the Volkswagen Howard. <laughs> what? Uh, so, um, so your mom is just she's she's caught. I have up. No idea why I thought that about Howard Stern's ass. I'm sorry. I just no, I were, meant he seems adventurous. Yeah. No, I bet he's got a nice big asshole. <laughs> So, oh, that's the sound coming out of it. Remember in uh, Private Parts, he's like, oh, that fart man, that great fart man character I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure that was so great. The MTV Video Awards. It yeah. must have been sarcastic because I was think it, it Oh, okay. I think he's always it been sar- forever ironic. embarrassed by it. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, okay. Fart man. It's kind of the sort of thing we might have thought up in grade school. Let's be honest. Yeah. Right. Ah, uh, well, um... Jeez, I would love to go back to grade school and start again and do better. Oh, me too. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> Prince William's being pegged. And my mom just thought it was very funny. And she had two white sangrias and uh, was was really enjoying herself. Well, keep us up to date. Like, yeah. let us know in future get-togethers with your mom if she's still mm-hmm. talking about this yeah. and if she has any... Did she give any hot about takes? your mom and we're learning updates about the William affair. Mm-hmm. Like yep. through your mom. Well, so she should be perfect. a correspondent for Hello Magazine. Did you, and I think you're right. Did your mom yeah. have any hot takes on it? Like any strong opinions? Well, she was like, "What's with what's with his families? They, they were so cute as boys, the, those two yeah. princes, and suddenly, what the hell happened?" Yeah, <laughs> <Her> mom died. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, your mom has like become de facto a correspondent of evil men. Yes. I would, Whether she I knows would, it or not. I I would love to uh yeah. to have her on. Um love her hard boiled mm. egg strategy, thirty <laughs> minutes in hot boiling hot water. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then um, you know you didn't you're not getting the sick. whole cheese plate issue mm-hmm. uh that yeah. was around Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. And now this. It's so difficult. any any Mike's mom updates are always a blast. Mm-hmm. Those patio dinners with <laughs> Mike's mom were so great. Oh my god, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> we should record those patio dinners with Mike's mom. And play that as... But how does it go, though? Those patio lanterns were the stars in the, the sky. sky. Yeah, so what would Those be in the sky patio. part of that? 
those patio dinners with Mike's mom in the night. Like, sure. Just do that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't know what that song oh. is, listeners outside of Canada, that's Kim Mitchell's uh, seasonal yeah. classic, Patio Lanterns. And Kim Mitchell came from a really progressive rock <laughs> band in the 70s called Max Webster. Max oh, Webster. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Worth Great. looking up. Yeah. Friends with Rush, I believe. Nice. Beep, beep. <laughs> Before we get to our evil man, we should mention that we have a Patreon account. You could check it out at patreon.com slash evilmen. And for a small amount of money every month, very small, you get two meaty, sexy bonus episodes a month that people love. They're very fun. We do lots of different things. We do more stuff with our guests. We have like uh, totally separate episodes where we're just goofing around. We've got a bunch of episodes of us goofing around at the cottage we were at. People love it. So uh, you get a whole new feed of all new episodes that you haven't heard before. No, seriously. People genuinely love it. They do. And also you get access to our Discord where you can chat with us. And, you know, that's a lot of fun too. So check it out patreon.com slash evil men now mike uh your evil man this week was actually suggested on our discord yes it was suggested by discord user poochie d <laughs> yeah i love that name you know i'm almost, that could be your nickname poochie d yeah well, someone already. Had I know, it. but it's just it's your it's your vibe. <laughs> Thank you. You, know, you could be like Poochie B for Belazzo. Just to be cl- Poochie B. Now, I, I'm not going to take Poochie D because it doesn't make sense. But yeah, Poochie B. <laughs> and today's evil man also is part of, I guess, an unofficial series about uncles and nephews in a yes. way. Because you did William Hitler, yeah, the liver the Liverpudlian nephew of Adolf Hitler, yeah. and that was a very fun episode. Uh, and this week's subject is also the nephew of a famous man uh, himself. He's the nephew of a little a little guy who loved cigars and mothers named Sigmund Freud. So wow. the topic this week is a man named Edward Bernays, who was Sigmund Freud's nephew. Now, I would have thought he was related to the sauce. Bernays sauce. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's spelled different. It's spelled different, James. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you just made Mike have three heart attacks. B-E-R-N-A-Y-S. But I love this. Yeah, I yeah. like that yeah, we're yeah, doing, yeah. you know, we're cornering the market on nephew-related mm-hmm. content. Yeah. No one can It's good. Yeah. There's almost like this like psychic yeah. energy in the like that hovers yeah. around the podcast quite often about bitterness towards uncles. Yeah. And <laughs> What's next? Uh, Hamlet and... Uh, Claudius is that his, his bad uncle who killed his father? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, Scrooge yeah, McDuck it is. Yeah, and the boys, Scrooge McDuck and Huey Lewin, do it. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah. let's get into this, shall we? Yeah. So Edward Bernays was an American publicist, author, and theorist, considered as a pioneer in the field of public relations. In fact, his in his obituary, he was referred to as the father of public relations. Uh, and everything he did, basically, we're still living with the consequences in terms of marketing and PR and stuff like that. Most deaf. Among Eddie's achievements were popularizing bacon and eggs as the all-American <laughs> breakfast. Oh, I don't mm. mind that. Mm. Encouraging women to smoke. <laughs> mm. Okay, less, less good. Right. And 
helping the CIA overthrow Guatemala's democratically elected government. <laughs> and as I said, he was Sigmund Freud's nephew. It's weird sometimes in porn they will suggest a video. And I'm sorry to talk about porn because it's No It's you know, it's it's dark, it's gross out there. But uh you know, amateurs make it too and they're just hanging out. I don't know. But the thing is is they have porn videos sometimes they're suggested where like, oh, you want to see a girl smoke while she does stuff with mm-hmm. you? Yeah. And Edward Bernays like, is just the reason. That, yeah. They also have a lot where, where they it's just, <laughs> there's bacon and eggs yeah. uh, on top of the, 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 the guy's butt, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and mm-hmm. so, Those are my favorite. He has his influence <laughs> extends all over the place. Yeah. Makes Every me, medium. Yeah. yeah. Mediumism. Bacon. I literally had bacon and eggs this morning. Well, you have Edward Bernays to thank. And let me tell you all about his life, okay? So Eddie was born in Vienna, that's in Europe, in 1891 to a Jewish family. His mother, Anna, was Sigmund Freud's sister, and his father, Eli, was the brother of Freud's wife. And according to Wikipedia, what? this makes Sigmund Freud Edward Bernays' double uncle. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like it's worth a lot of points. <laughs> yeah, double uncle. Because he's related in two ways. He's like a double. He's a, literally a double uncle. It sounds like uh, he got like a, ma- a Super Mario mushroom, and he's just yeah. now twice the height. Yeah, yeah. But he's like double uncle. He's talking about wants to sleep with his mom. His sister, his sister marries his wife's brother. Like, what's up with this dude, James? It's totally fucked. So the Bernays family left Vienna for NYC, New York, CBGBs, bagels, pizza <laughs> in the late 1890s, where Eli worked as a grain exporter. Oh, sexy job. Yeah. Uh, Edward Bernays attended, and this is interesting, he attended DeWitt Clinton High School, an institution that also educated other notable figures like Don Adams, Inspector Gadget, uh, Neil Simon, uh, odd couple, Judd Hirsch, from uh, Dear John. Dear John and, and Taxi. Gil Scott Heron, the famous proto-rapper uh, funk guy, and Tracy Morgan. Really? Now, of course, Edward Bernays didn't attend at the same time okay. as these oh, people. Oh, that would have been so fun. Uh, yeah, he could have hung out with Judd Hirsch. <laughs> who I saw. Gil Scott Heron. <laughs> the revolution will not be televised. Um, uh, yeah, that's true. It won't be televised. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in 1912, Edward Bernays graduated from Cornell. This is, I thought was funny. He married a woman named Doris Fleischman in 1922. Now, this woman was a member of, the, of a group called the Lucy Stone League. And the, the group's entire reason for existing was to encourage women to keep their names after marriage. Hmm. Later, however, Doris changed her mind and took Edward Bernays' name and change it to Doris Bernays. Interesting. So what? she's a flip-flopper. What happened to her? Typical Doris. You've changed, Doris. Did Edward Bernays's uh, masterful mind manipulation finally work on Doris? It's either his mind powers or he was packing a lot of heat he downstairs. Did a big, he did a big PR campaign. <laughs> Take my name, honey. Change your name to this. Yeah. <laughs> Nine out of ten women want to change their name to Mrs. Edward Bernays. <laughs> So getting into his career, um, <laughs> after graduating from Cornell, Eddie B. had a bunch of jobs. He worked as a journalist. He worked with his father in exporting. Uh, he had a brief stint in Paris doing grain stuff mm. in the grain biz. He then returned to New York City and uh, switched careers. He became the co-editor of Medical Review of Reviews, a publication, 
and they took editorial positions in favor of showers and against corsets for women. And they distributed free copies of the publication to thousands of doctors across the country. In favor of showers? He's, he's pro-shower, but anti-corset, like, which is hard. literally having a shower? Well, this was 1912, and I feel like people maybe had a bath once a week if uh, they could. Okay. Uh, maybe hygiene was not... They always say that, that in these period pieces, like the thing that they don't accurately depict is how everyone would stink. <laughs> everyone would stink. But I, you don't think about it. But yeah, I guess... Yeah. That's wild that you needed a... Th- people had to make a point, like, have a shower, everyone. Hey, I just read this article. Apparently, it's good to take a shower. <laughs> and you know what was interesting Apparently is, I've like... Apparently, I've got doo-doo dick. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out Brandon Ash Muhammad for the... This article says my reference. ass stinks. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, romance back then was so... Like, when you read those classic literature, it's so tense... And so uptight and like everybody's being super passive with each other because there's all these stringent uh, rules of etiquette and proper decorum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, people get married young and then they never had the lives that we had where we go out and sow our wild oats for like 20 years before 30. we get married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 30 going on 30 years yeah. <laughs> before getting married. Yeah. And so... The rom- the romance stories, like, a lot of times, like, uh, romance movies are period pieces because it was way more tense back then to, to have well, these mm. illicit affairs because everybody was already married or promised to people. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting when it's like, I, I, I'm torn because my husband is, you know, boring or he's in a wheelchair after the war and I can't. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, who? but I'm attracted to this man, this brute. But they both have the stinkiest asses <laughs> yeah. and huge bushes that stink like shit. <laughs> they always leave that out of those ancient well, romances. You know, I think you're right because, like, you know, Pride and Prejudice and Darcy's all coquettish and coy and they're all yeah. coy. They weren't coy because of some, you know, etiquette. They just didn't want to get too close to each other's stanky ass. Yeah. It's like. You, you can't get too close to someone's uh-huh. stanky ass unless you're pretty far along. That's my Mr. Theory. Darcy's yeah. cock actually fucking stunk. <laughs> There's a Stunk lost, like a swamp. There's a lost, a lost chapter that makes that clear that was taken out of the book. <laughs> yeah, there's a chapter where Mr. Darcy unzips his pants and an l- actual toad from the swamp jumps out of his pants. <laughs> a green mist escaped from his trousers. A frog. <laughs> Ribbit. Yeah, yeah. A green mist and then Scooby-Doo and the Mystery Machine gang show up and they're like, Yoinks! Oh. Zoinks! <laughs> yeah. I don't think we should go near Mr. Darcy's pants, Scoop. (laughs) 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 Scooby, stop licking it. (laughs) Gee, gang. Yeah. Do you smell that? (laughs) Mr. Darcy's all shy about his ass. Uh, So that's why I think they had to uh, publish articles about bathing. (laughs) (laughs) So... After no one could have explained it better than us. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, after this, he became, became involved in the theater in New York City. 
Uh, he helped to promote a play called Damaged Goods. Can a I French ask play. you? Sorry, I know I in, we just did a whole no, no. D- digression there, of but course. I'm bringing it back to another one. Yeah. But I'm obsessed with this idea of Edward Bernays attending theater. I think that's really interesting. And oh, absolutely. Like, he was obviously a big fan of culture. Mm-hmm. Did he wear a top hat and a scarf and gloves and carry a cane? Well, That's all I want to know. It was the t- 1910s. He was... A European aristocrat relocated to America. I'm assuming he, he didn't 100%. wear jeans and a t-shirt, <laughs> if you know what he I mean. He wore a tank top. No, <laughs> but even though he was an aristocrat, uh, yeah, yeah, um, immigrant, as you say, from yeah. Europe. Um, but did, did he go down to like Coney Island and eat a dog? He participated in the hot dog eating contest every uh, July 4th. Oh, the Nathan's one. Yeah. 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 Ah, that's Kobayashi. Cool. That's cool. He was beaten by Kobayashi yeah. every time. Yeah. 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 And Joey Chestnut. <laughs> mm. um, that's a lot of hot dogs. Anything else? Any other? No, no. Thank you. I'm moving on. But I do love that era the, Yes. He of saw New the, York. He saw the first Ramones show at CBGB's. <laughs> um, so, yeah. He gets involved in the theater in New York, and he promoted a play from France called Damaged Goods that dealt frankly... And it was the 1910s. This was like, you know, new material. A play that dealt frankly with the topic of syphilis. And he became a campaigner to sort of like uh, raise awareness and for the government to educate people about syphilis. (laughs) Doesn't sound super uh, malicious at this point. No, he's just doing... Quite helpful. Bath. Yeah, altruistic. Change it and have a shower daily. Save Mm -hmm. water. Wash your dick. Don't wash get your, syphilis. Wash your dick and be careful. He's obsessed with pe- people's crotches. <laughs> so, so Freud's nephew says, wash your dick. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Um, <laughs> he then tried to get America excited about ballet uh, by luck. taking a sexy picture of a ballerina with a snake to promote a show. He also... <laughs> yeah, didn't work then, won't work now. Uh, and he promoted the opera These singer. These fucking troglodytes aren't ever going to come to this ballet. Let's <laughs> shut it down. What were we thinking? <laughs> you got to get the hot dogs dangling on a piece of string. <laughs> Sorry. He also promoted the opera singer, the famous singer, Enrico Caruso. He was his PR guy. Oh, wow. And Oh, that's so beautiful. Caruso. Yeah. Subject of... Uh, Fitzcarraldo, remember? Klaus Kinski. Oh, those are the records that he plays in the he jungle? He wants to bring Caruso oh. to an opera house in the middle of the Amazon. Fucking yeah. So here's where things sort of change. We can see that Bernays is sort of uh, trying to find his calling, trying to find his way, right? He uh, Yeah, it's fascinating. It's fascinating for us. And then World War I breaks out, right? Oh, uh, oh, now Ar- we're talking. Let's speed it up. Archduke, Fritz look out! Get Fitman. down! Yeah, he got yeah. shot. He got fucking, fucking shot in the fucking. Take me out! And eventually, not right away, America got involved in World War One. A few years in, and during the war years, uh, Edward Bernays got a job on the Committee on Public Information, yeah, uh, a government uh, agency, and he was hired to write propaganda to uh, whip up support among the public for America's uh, intervention in the war because it was seen as a foreign war and America had taken a non And he's already a propaganda pro with showers and syphilis. Showers, theater, snakes with ballerinas, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so he was writing uh, speeches, designing posters and newspaper articles to to change America's mind and get everyone, like, excited to to go to war. Mm -hmm. 
at this point. <laughs> he referred to this work. Like, did he put Spider Man and Thor Let's and like excited. the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, on the uh, Captain America? Ca- Captain America. Had, he went to um, Turkey. <laughs> he fought against the Ottoman Empire. <laughs> and he, but Bernays referred to this wartime work. Get this, guys, as psychological warfare. That's awesome. To get the public on board with, like, let's yeah. potentially die. Because he, he realized yeah. that, hey, yeah. Oh, let's go. Speaking of the Ramones. Two yeah. more. Yeah. He, yeah, he, he realized that, like. I want to shoot a guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was so successful, and America's atti- Americans' attitude toward the war shifted so dramatically that he realized that, like, the tactics you could use in wartime to influence attitudes could also be used in peacetime to get people to buy stuff. Interesting. And so he had a hand in the propaganda to get Americans on board with joining World War I. Yes. And he's using Freud's ideas about the psyche to manipulate so I'm gonna all get into, of us? All of us. I'm going to get into this in a little bit about how he used uncle's ideas to... <laughs> Can I just say that I, I did watch Century of the Self by yeah. Adam Curtis. Big fan of his. And there's great coverage of Edward Bernays uh, in that as well. Hmm. Uh. I have a quote here from Edward Bernays uh, thinking about his wartime work. He said, When I got back from the war, I realized that ideas could be as important weapons as anything. He decided to apply what he had learned about running publicity wartime campaigns in the service of corporate clients. And I'll get into some of these now. Um, We mentioned bacon and eggs. Before we were talking about bacon and eggs, you guys yeah. remember that? Yeah, you, you had some bacon today. I did today. How I'd, many pieces? Uh, like one and a half, because one of them ripped in the bag, and I just went whatever. Oh shit! I'm sorry. Damn, dude. Yeah. Sorry to hear. That. Yeah. So Bernays used his uncle Sigmund's ideas to help convince the public that bacon and eggs was the true all-American breakfast. It's so crazy because you literally think that caveman time. Is when bacon and eggs come from. Yeah, like the idea that in 1904 in, you know, Iowa or something, if you went to some farm and you go, want bacon and eggs? And they'd be like, huh? That's really weird. Yeah, I could do it, but... But I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, I'll try my best. In (laughs) earlier times, when most people did grueling physical labor or like farming work, big breakfasts were more common because people had to work harder and they needed more fuel. They burned energy, which we're not... We don't know anything about that. No. And so by the 1920s or whatever, there are more office jobs or like less physically straining work. And people were apparently uh, breakfast had like whittled down to just like coffee juice and like a piece of toast. Or something. I heard a lot of it was like creamed wheat and like oatmeal and oats and stuff like that. Just very light by the 20s in, in general. And, and yeah, pig farmers were like, help us, Edward. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Edward, we need you. We ju- you, we heard your Sigmund's uh, Edward, nephew. We need you. We need you to apply psychoanalysis to marketing. <laughs> Our farms are overflowing with pigs, and the pigs yeah. are laughing at us. <laughs> they don't think we have the guts to cut them up with our butcher knives. <laughs> so the specifics are a company called the Beech Nut Packing Company, who were That's America's cool. biggest bacon producers. Um, bacon. <laughs> They were sad because bacon sales were falling off. So they 
they called up Edward and were like, what the heck are we going to do? We got all these pigs sitting around here bored, uh, bored to pieces. They're starting to put hats on. They're starting to put jackets on. Yeah. They're starting to act like they own the place. <laughs> so um, instead of advising the company to like put, a, put bacon on sale or come up with like a snappier ad campaign, what he did, and this was revolutionary, he connected the idea of bacon with the idea of physical security and a sense of well-being. And that was... Uh, effective. So he nice. hired a well-known yeah. New York doctor uh, to ask other doctors around the country whether a light breakfast or a heavy breakfast was better for people to eat. Uh-huh. The doctors confirmed that a heavy breakfast, a breakfast was scientifically desirable. And then mm-hmm. they published this survey, this study. They put it in all these ads in newspapers and billboards and all around the country. And bacon sales just skyrocketed. But this is the only time ever that people en masse have been manipulated by um yeah media like this and marketing right it was one of the first at least um it doesn't noted. still happen today oh no this was that this ended and the in, algorithm isn't just like this ended at super consolidated it ended at woodstock <laughs> we did it the hippies yeah. did it <laughs> and um, woodstock 99 yeah yeah so by tapping into the and i'll get into the freud of it he tapped into like the primal desire for security and health and well-being, and boosted bacon sales instead of just like an ad saying like bacon. It sure is great. That's hey? really interesting because bacon. don't you want to feel you safe? Could convince yourself <laughs> that it's kind of good to eat bacon. Like it tastes pretty good. Yeah. So I could see it being easy once you sort of got people into the idea. Like mm, hey, mm, this mm. is great. Bacon. You're protecting your family from death. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, and. <laughs> When I mentioned my mom, seeing my mom earlier in the show, um, and I forgot to mm-hmm. mention this, I was telling her about what I learned about Edward Bernays, and uh, the topic of bacon came up, mm-hmm. and, and she mentioned, she re- revealed that when she first met my father uh, in Montreal in the late 60s, that he would eat every day for breakfast half a pound of bacon <laughs> that my Slovak grandmother would feed him. <laughs> half a pound of bacon. That That's is a lot, lot of bacon. Your father was Bernays pilled. <laughs> now, Mike, I took the liberty of looking up how many slices is half a pound of bacon. Oh, can I guess? Uh, yes. Chris and I will guess. Okay. How many slices is half a pound of bacon? I'm going to say it is eight. I wanted to say eight, but just to be different, I will say nine. Well, I'm, no, ten. Now, there's thin slices and there's regular slices. I'm going okay. regular. Ten. Okay. Uh Regular slices, that's 8 to 10. And thin slices, it's like 17. I can't so you're imagine. you both right. It was yeah, in between yeah, our... Yeah, so your dad ate like 8 or 10. I can't or, imagine eating 8 or 10 slices of bacon every morning. But then what did he <laughs> do with the rest of the day? Just sleep in his bed and go, oh. <laughs> no. yeah. He went to school. He played uh, football and hockey. But he didn't just eat bacon. Th- that was just part of the breakfast as well. Right. <laughs> My God. So 10 strips of bacon every day. <laughs> yeah. This is before they had calorie counting apps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is before we had Noom. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's no oh, way that would do well on Noom. No, yeah. that Noom would explode. Yeah. <laughs> Noom would be uh, would ask you to be its master. I was sent by Noom. <laughs> I ate ten pieces of regular bacon for breakfast. Please, sir, spare us. <laughs> That's the Noom app coming to <laughs> <set> you. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> so. 
to get into the sort of Freud, uh, the way Freud influenced Edward's approach to marketing, up until like the early 1900s, the idea was from the like an enlightenment idea that people were rational, and if you made a logical case, you could persuade people to behave a certain way. But Freud believed people weren't rational and were sort of driven by primal instincts and unconscious desires, sex, aggression, security, self-preservation. Yeah, I can see that. And these, Freud believed, exerted a more powerful influence on how people behaved. And Edward Bernays tapped into this for specifically connecting the idea of bacon to physical security and well-being. So you're not sort of rationally appealing to people you're trying to tap into their primal urges their fears yeah. and their desires mm-hmm. uh that they they may not even realize themselves didn't i already make a joke about this like five ten minutes ago bacon yeah you know, it yeah. will save your family mm-hmm. from death yeah and it's like yeah it's like yeah. but freud uh hated this right he thought his nephew was bastardizing he his, his ideas so freud and and edward had spent time together when edward was a child and they would wander the hills of Austria. Um, and when Edward started becoming for bacon. more, here bacon, here bacon. <laughs> bacon. <laughs> um, but when Edward became more successful, he, their relationship changed from what I read. And Edward was like, uncle, I can set you up to like write very lucrative, like columns in American newspapers. I can book a tour where you come and speak. You'll make a killing. And Sigmund Freud sort of was like, he saw his nephew as like a vulgar American. Mm. And he was like, no, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a serious thinker and physician, or not, yeah. uh, you know, psychoanalyst. His nephew wanted to turn him into Fraser Crane. Exactly. Yeah. I can't believe Fraser did that radio show. Yeah. In a way. Freud yeah, never Fraser was a seller. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe Freud would have done a radio show had a sexy lady like Roz been his producer. Sure. And if Roz was his mom. Yeah. Yeah. Edward, I'll do a radio show on one condition. I need a sexy mother to be producer. <laughs> Roz. <laughs> uh, Edward Bernays, another famous campaign he did where he used psychological warfare uh, was how Edward Bernays got all of the women in America to start smoking, basically. So until the late 20s, very few women smoked cigarettes, especially in public, Smoking cigarettes was associated with, like, if women did it, it was, like, associated with, like, brothels and prostitution and, like, low low life, or it was seen as, like, a rough masculine activity, Mm -hmm. right? Anyway, it it implied, like, loose morals and, and, you know, loose sexual behavior. Then, Mm. a man named George Washington Hill, who was the CEO of the American uh, Tobacco Company. I'm not that George Washington. There's a... Hill at the end. (laughs) (laughs) I get this a lot. (laughs) Perhaps if you went by George Hill. No, no, no. No. Well, yeah. That's what they want you to do. But the CEO of American Tobacco Company, George Washington Hill, he wanted to change the way women thought about smoking. He said, if we can get women to smoke, quote, it will be like opening a gold mine right in our front yard. So, in 1927, George Washington... Hill hired he hired Edward Bernays to help him uh, promote a slogan reach for a lucky instead of a sweet so initially they tried to um, encourage women to smoke instead of eating 
yeah. chocolates and treats and cakes and cookies. Yeah, and women were like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> it worked a little bit, and there were these ads. There, yeah, maybe they'll have a smoke. <laughs> it's instead of a sweet to see how blunt the ads were. There's like an ad where there's a woman smoking, and she's saying, "Light a lucky, and you will never miss sweets that make you fat." <laughs> was, wow, it rolls off the tongue. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that Halloween. Kids just got ciggies in their sacks, too. No candy. I no got sweets. full of ciggies. You know, I mean, this might be totally anecdotal, but also present day, I feel like I see women smoking more than I do men. Maybe that's not, uh, maybe that's just purely anecdotal and not reflective of overall, but this fucker, man, he, he I mean, I guess he yeah. was, he was uh, going against a unfair pre- sort of uh, double standard, but also, um, too bad he's getting all these people into smoking. So yeah, and that works to a certain extent. The idea of like, hey, stay thin by smoking. But what really sent uh, cigarette sales among women through the roof was when is, yeah. Edward Bernays he uh, he talked to a psychoanalyst, this guy named Abraham Brill, to understand the societal perceptions that discouraged women from smoking. Brill told him that for feminists, cigarettes were like. Torches of freedom that symbolize their nonconformity and freedom from male oppression. So Bernays seized on this idea that cigarettes were like instruments of liberation for women. And he ran with this idea uh, to the extent that during the 1929 New York City Easter Day Parade, he organized to have a bunch of women uh, openly smoke while they marched down Fifth Avenue and had a bunch of photographers from newspapers and magazines there to capture it and so these images went around the world and smoking now was cool and seemed they rebellious. were the new strong-minded independent women of the future yes and they could smoke and fuck you men <laughs> but really it was just a trick for the man's corporation yes. of cigarettes that kill you yeah he Boys, even uh, he got some um don't have the names but prominent like suffragettes actually to participate in this and it's, like it's really yeah. disheartening and like extremely sad when you think that a corporation's push to open up channels to diversity or, or diversify and is like a hook to just like you said <clears throat> what what he said about Opening right, like it's a about gold making mine. money. Yeah, it's like they, they, that's interesting. If we yeah. pander to this demographic, which we haven't yet, boom. Mm. Or uh, just you know, you that's a millions now. of brand new dollars. It's like every in. June, when all the banks are like Happy Pride, <laughs> it's like, do you yeah. think they really care, or are they just you know trying yeah. to reach a new? I know it makes base. everybody so cynical. Yeah. Or when a phone corporation goes, let's talk about mental illness today. Yeah. 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 Use our we're hashtag. The, we're the best phone. Yeah. <laughs> we hired Howie Mandel to talk about mental illness. We're very good. <laughs> <laughs> and we just fired someone for like uh yeah. Yeah. Anyways, obligatory reasons. No, I mean not obligatory. But it's true. Uh, not you, obvious you reasons. Can't, you can't really trust any big corporation. On what they say at all because they don't care. They just want to make money. They don't give a damn. And if yeah. making money, if seeming nice makes them more money, they'll seem nice. 
If somehow seeming mean <laughs> made them more money, they'd be mean. They don't give a fuck. Like those restaurants where they're like, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> Prime example of the other strategy. <laughs> you are listening to the Ad Busters podcast. <laughs> and also, you're listening to the, the podcast that you love, uh, listeners, Evil Men. And we promise, as the three main evil men of the podcast uh, hosts, you know, we'll never turn into a big, mean corporation. No, I would love for us to get rich. I would love mm-hmm. to get rich, too. But I would we'll exploit s- everybody to get there. But no, that's right. I don't think we will. No. Ah, unlikely. Now, um, I'll give you guys just some stats about how successful this campaign was. Stats talk. Time for some stats. So in 1923, women only purchased 5% of all cigarettes sold. Mm-hmm. In 1929, the percentage increased to 12%. Mm. It's a 7% increase. In 1935, 18.1%. Damn. In 1965, 33.3%. That's a lot. <laughs> this was all... Mostly down to Edward Bernays' campaign for Torches of Freedom. Well, it just shows you, too, that uh, it takes decades to really bloom Mm -hmm. these kind of marketing strategies. Mm. Decades until they really sink their hooks, generational hooks, into your family. Right? Yeah, you're right. Think about that. Do you think, you know how, like, anytime anyone who's not a, a white straight man makes any like strides in society some guys get mad they're like we can't they're, t- they're t- taking our freedoms away i wonder if when the women were smoking walking down fifth avenue there were some shitheads who were like no smoking and marching is a guy's thing <laughs> <laughs> well, for sure the ben 100%. shapiro of their day would have been like women should not smoke it's not a thing that women should do. Smoking at Easter? In the Judeo Christian uh, <laughs> culture, women don't smoke. They never have orgasms. It's a myth. <laughs> and they shouldn't smoke. <laughs> it's true. He said that. Yeah. It's so Am insane. Does not have an orgasm. How could you be that much of a fucking wretched dweeb and not notice that you're saying you have never given a woman an orgasm? He's, like, how did he not connect that? There's a guy who could have used a Socrates-like mentor to teach him how to make love to a woman. <laughs> yeah. Ben Shapiro. He also, yeah, he also should have had Edward Bernays manipulate him into thinking <laughs> that he needed uh, lifts in his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for chuckling at that guy. <laughs> I, I'm on board. Kind of low... Bo- low uh, <laughs> Lifts represent the ancient and suppressed male um, libido's <laughs> desire to be tall. Yeah, <laughs> it's a myth. Um, one of the other, the last sort of uh, big campaign I'll talk about for Edward Bernays is uh, his work with the United Fruit Company, who are now uh, Chiquita Brands, Ooh. Chiquita Banana, mm-hmm. Pineapples, uh, Tropical Fruit. Love it. Very full of vitamin C. Eat lots of pineapple if you're. In a new relationship, um, the United Fruit Company <laughs> hired Edward Bernays uh, in the early 1940s. Now, and the United Fruit Company has a very uh, uh, controversial history with uh, Central and South America in terms of like uh, destroying unions, ruining the economy, ruining the environment, and stuff like that. Oh. Uh, they, there was a massacre of striking workers in Colombia in the 20s that is. Written about in 100 Years of Solitude. Yeah, oh, I read that book. Whoa, that was about it? Chiquita Bananas? Well, part of it, because it's of in it. Colombia, there's like, it alludes it's about to about everything, it. dude. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's about life, but it's there's a chapter or two about this like massacre of 
of workers on strike with the name Chiquita, yeah, and the local you just workers think get ripped off, you know, and work their, to the bone uh, for this corporation. The name Chiquita just makes you think it's a fun company. Yeah, you don't think you're gonna get slaughtered by company hired soldiers with a cute name like Chiquita. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiquita, the Chiquita militia. soldiers are slaughtering us. <laughs> Hello, Chiquita. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> So Edward was hired by the United Fruit Company to promote uh, bananas, and so he linked uh, the idea of bananas to good health. And but to bananas must be good for you. I eat them all the. Tell me they're good for you. Now in the I 40s, think they're great in for potassium, but they are high in sugar. Are they? Hell, I love bananas. Yeah, you have half a banana. Or when you eat one banana, maybe take a day off before you eat the other banana. But isn't fruit sugar like good? For yeah, you? but still. Bananas are high dense, but you have density. Oh, oh fuck! Yes, I have blood problems, so I know so it. I wasn't trying to. I'm sure you guys just... don't. It doesn't affect you as much, but just saying. That's no, what you're good asking. To know. No, no, good right. to know. You but I think the 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 level of imp, uh, potassium, the impact you get from bananas, are is super valuable. I love them. Right. Well, you know how you hear like, you ever heard grandparents say like, we never. Also, if you eat a banana for a man, your <laughs> wang when it gets the next time it gets erect. Okay. Is the exact same size as the last banana you just ate. Oh, so, yeah. oh interesting. So the GMO bananas I are like... I keep eating those little you know, tiny mini guys. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that ex- That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. So get the, get the big GMO okay. monster I'll banana. get a plantain. <laughs> yeah. Your girlfriend won't like it. It'll be too big. Right. But you'll but, feel great. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I always hate to slice a banana because it makes me think of oh, slicing a penis. Oh, no. no. That's a You know what I do as a snack for real? <laughs> I uh, get a piece of toast, <laughs> put some peanut butter on oh, it. Nothing beats slice that. Slice up some banana, put it on top. Slice of life. Ooh, that's a great snack. It's the best. It's not. It's I a great breakfast. Tonight. Speaking of light breakfast, it's a great breakfast. Oh, good point, James. I can't believe you just gave away your secret recipe here on the podcast. <laughs> so, well, I guess he was. It seems crazy that like he was hired on the banana account, but. You ever have like relatives who were like, we would get one orange every Christmas and we would get a banana for Easter? Yep. I, yeah. I think tropical fruits or food in general, exotic food wasn't as easy to get yeah. back then. Sorry yeah. I'm late, dear. I stayed up all night working on the banana account. <laughs> the what account? What? Um, so he was hired and part of his job, he... He promoted bananas by placing them strategically, this is funny, in the hands of celebrities in hotels and other conspicuous places. So imagine it's 1940 and you suddenly see, yeah. uh, I don't know, uh, Orson Welles in an ad holding a banana or something. You're like, I got to be like Orson Welles. Wow. I need to eat a banana. Yeah, or James Stewart. What, what is this uh, uh, monkey food? There's something <laughs> wrong with this apple. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, six foot tall white rabbit eating a yellow long apple. Get new Chiquita yellow long apples <laughs> at your greengrocer. <laughs> Chiquita, the machine guns won't hurt you. <laughs> Shoot a machine gun full of flavor into your mouth <laughs> with a Chiquita long yellow apple. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, the uh, history of the whole world is cruel as fuck. So Bernays, aside from promoting bananas, he wanted to promote the... I gotta take a break from bananas. <laughs> well, he wanted to promote the interests of the United Fruit Company and put a positive spin 
on the the company and the countries in where it worked, and he created a front group that distributed like pro United Fruit Company propaganda, and part of this was tied to it was the Cold War, and there was a new president in Guatemala who wanted to reorganize the economy and help it transition from like a poor backwards feudal economy to a modern economy, and part of the president's plans were to uh, redistribute land to peasants who didn't have anything, including expropriating and taking some of the land from the United Fruit Company and giving it to the poor. This didn't sit well with the United Fruit Company, <laughs> and there were lots of powerful people in the U.S. government who had interests in and shares in the United Fruit Company. And so Edward Bernays would publish articles and leak stories to the press about how Guatemala, Guatemala was turning communist. Wow. Stir up an anti-communist like, uh, fear that eventually led to President Dwight Eisenhower authorizing the CIA to begin something called Operation PB Success, which overthrew the democratically elected government of Guatemala, uh, whose name was Arbenez. Was this the first American interference with a, in a, creating a South American coup? I don't think so. But that's totally fucked up. So the government, they're fairly elected. They're like, we're going to give some of this corporation's land to poor people. American guys who have interest in that business are like, um, Freud's nephew, help us. Yes. And he... So the media was full of like, you know how like, Media is full of like negative stories about Venezuela or or, or Cuba yeah. or whatever. We're not being manipulated, Basically, are we? The same thing. You even see it in yeah. now with Canada in the United with like yeah, Fox Canada News. just went through a spin cycle. It's insane, like the that Trudeau's a communist and all this shit. He's like totally middle of the road. It's like our country is full of weed smoke. <laughs> like we're pretty free here. We're kind of chilling. Yeah, like it is. And all those far right guys who are like fuck Trudeau, they love weed. Yeah, he they're literally it. high all day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that is cra- that is like nuts. Wow. So yeah, Jacobo Arben- Arbenz, who was the elected president, he there was like uh, some militia or like some soldiers sent, and they, he resigned as president and had to go into exile in Mexico for the rest of his life. Um, and a man named Castillo Armas. Uh, ran unopposed in an election and became the new president uh, of the military junta of Guatemala. And uh, that was the first of a series of violent right-wing dictatorships in Guatemala that were put in place through some of the work that um, Bernays did. Wow. Did he die shortly after that one? Bernays? Yeah. Um, No. In fact, he lived to be 103 years old. Oh, my God. He's on the Today Show, probably. Yeah. Um, it's interesting with a lot of his stuff because it's like, I mean, I guess I know we'll get to the evilometer, but he doesn't seem like in necessarily intentionally evil, but he certainly, I think he feels like he was just a slave to, to the cap, to like capitalism. You know what I mean? That, that is, that does a lot of evil things or not a slave, but just like found ways to use the system, I guess. It's weird because he thought that he was doing good and he thought he was one of these people who thought that the mass of people are like 
need to be gently led by like more qualified, more intelligent, great men. Of what he considered himself one, obviously. But like, but yeah, he was but doing still this work, capitalizing. But he was doing this work for, for like money. stupid companies, like yeah. soap yeah. companies, Bananas, bacon. bacon. Yeah, yeah, but he was like, I th- maybe he want he was in his mind competing with his uncle and thought he was like doing equal work or something. I don't know. Cause like if it was again, like let's, you know what? I think it's good for society. If we have baths and don't get syphilis, <laughs> it's good not to get syphilis. <laughs> if he used his powers for that, sure. That is noble, but you're just doing it presumably, I guess for money for your jobs. He dressed it up and he wrote numerous books describing the technique and how an elite need to like lead the herd of humanity in the right direction <laughs> by nudging them using psychoanalysis in marketing and PR campaigns. But you're right. It was all for the stupidest reasons. Mm. It's kind of a selfish experiment. Yeah. And before it was called capitalism, it was just known as being like a greedy person. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's a greedy person, even though he's interested in manipulating Freud's ideas and the masses and stuff. But like... Mm. I don't know. It's, yeah, if, you know, I guess, well, the weird thing is, is they didn't know, they didn't know the adverse effects of smoking and ba- too much yeah, bacon back in the day, I mean, too, that is so true. we but know it no differently way, now, but. Even if you didn't know that it's unhealthy, you can't think that by selling cigarettes and bananas and soap, you're like making the world a better no, place. No, you're still making a company money and <laughs> getting paid He's greedy. to make a company more money. But people still ch- coughed when they smoked and like, looked yeah. unwell, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, um, but also cool, like detective. Cool. Yeah. James like in a Dean. movie. Oh, shit, I'd be manipulated. And I just light up a ciggy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, yes, these techniques that he used could be used for good or evil, and some cases in evil. He was quite an influence on the Nazis, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, they paid close attention to advertising in America, especially uh, fascists in Germany and Spain, and particularly to Bernays' work. There's a, an anecdote that um, in the early 30s, a reporter told Bernays that he had seen a copy of his book called Crystallizing Public Opinion on the bookshelf of none other than Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's propaganda minister. So they were learning how to do it, how to run these like anti-semitic campaigns basically from sigmund freud's nephew edward bernays yeah and to go back to century of the self if you follow the thread that adam curtis is trying to propose and put together is the the beginning of edward bernays and his manipulation through marketing and using the psychology uh is is the catalyst and it inspires and grows into like the U.S. government and governments basically use the same manipulative ideas now, and giant corporations even like you know we're we're all on social media all the time and don't have our own original thoughts anymore and spend days on Twitter all saying the same joke over and over again. So I think we can see how he proposes that it grew, what it grew, what grew out of it. All, I see us all as Edward's children. Yeah. Actually, or nephews. Edward's nephews. There is an Aldous Huxley novel somewhere in another world where Edward Bernays is the lord of the f- the perfect future. <laughs> I've got a I would love to watch that Adam Curtis uh uh documentary that talks about Bernays. Yeah. This is the stuff that I think about a lot. Mm. So Bernays was I, asked about yeah, I, yeah. Oh sorry. No, no, I, I I'm always like 
way too on the side of like nah, scared of that kind of stuff like well it's it's interesting because when, even if you discover something for good it can be used for evil obviously and he was questioned about whether he regretted his work being used by nazis and he said quote we worked out the engineering of consent which applies to any social goal but the people who don't have social goals unfortunately can also employ it so he was like, he just created a thing that anyone could use for to suit their purpose. But he was still proud of it, which is weird. Interesting. Now, just before we get to the end here, um, among his peers, uh, he wasn't really well-liked by other PR people, which I get, I mean, they're all probably pretty uh, shitty guys, but he was unpopular uh, and seen as a sort of braggart and a relentless self-promoter. Uh, according to a PR man named Scott Cutlip, he said, Bernays was a brilliant person who had a spectacular career, but to use an old-fashioned word, he was a braggart. Basically, it's believed that like it's impossible to, to really understand the last 100 years of American society and politics and advertising, whatever, without like looking at Edward Bernays' career and the way he changed um, PR and the way institutions or governments can change people's minds without them knowing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Slightly distracting the last two minutes because there's a motorcycle outside revving its engine. The place someone my... who's been unconsciously manipulated by motorcycle industry. Yeah. That plays to my desire to be seen as a cool, tough, sexy guy <sighs> on a motorcycle, a James Dean, yeah. you know, if you will. Um, Edward Bernays lived a long life and died in 1995. At the age of 103, so that was four years after Nevermind. Holy shit. So no he, way. That's a he long He died after Kurt life. Cobain. <laughs> he died. <laughs> motherfucker. Barry the Kurt lead. <laughs> Edward Bernays died after Kurt Cobain. I, that makes me really That's uncomfortable. Right. Oh, and his last campaign was for shotguns. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> hey, wait. <laughs> I just met Edward Bernays. <laughs> 103 years young. Boy, oh Crazy. Boy. I loved to know his secret. Yeah. But bacon and bananas. Bacon, cigarettes, and bananas. He actually wasn't a smoker himself ever, yeah. and he tried to get his wife to stop smoking. Why? Okay, well, there we go. I thought there's, it was cool. There's an indication that he knows that, you know, he was promoting something he didn't like. Well, very interesting, Mike. Um, Thank you. you don't really think about somebody starting that it just sort of you know you know seems so omnipresent you don't think a guy at one point went like what if we get people like you know really tap into people's fears and deep uh stuff for advertising and pr and everything pretty interesting it's like i guess their advertising is regulated in terms of like you can't outright lie in advertising but i don't think it's regulated in in like you can't reach your fingers into people's hearts and brains and fuck with them. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like we're all exposed to Look that at political every ad. day. Look at political ads now. Yeah. They're so, like, they basically say if you vote for this guy, you know, burglars are going to come in and murder your family. Yeah. Things like that. Interesting. And how about beer commercials? Like, all the ones that use sex. Mm-hmm. Like, if you do this, you're sexy. Drink Hell. a beer, you'll get an HJ. Drink sure. a wine, you'll get a... McCain. McCain Pizza Pop commercials when we were kids were practic- were, sec- were trying to be sexy. How did it go? How were those? It was yeah, like... Remember... Um, it would come all over the kid's face. Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the pizza glop would go all over a kid's face and then a girl k- kid would yeah. lick it off. Yeah. I remember this. 
And she'd be like, I like it. Yeah. Imagine the pitch meeting where a guy was like, we have an idea for pizza pops where it comes all over a kid's face. <laughs> listen to this Basically beer Listen did. to this beer commercial I saw the other day. Coors Light. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. What do you think Spuds McKenzie or the Kool-Aid Man, what ancient fears or desires uh, do those characters that they only ever showed Spuds McKenzie's ass? Oh, yeah. Mm. We all want to... your appetite. We all wanted to subconsciously be in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the future, eating dog's ass is going to be a funny joke on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to the Kool-Aid man, um, what subconscious Freudian thing. <laughs> <laughs> so a huge boob smashes through a wall and is like, drink me. Well, it smashes through the wall. It was exa- it, it was right there in front of you. Oh shit! It's suppressed. No, the kids were trapped in prison in fucking school, and right. this guy breaks through the wall and says, "Come free with me," <laughs> mm. and so that you're alleviated from the doldrums right. of uh, regimented life. Or if the Kool Aid Man is a boob, you're thinking about like, what do boobs look like? Boom! Yeah. I'm a boob. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A big the boob. wall is closed. A big Drink one. all the juice from my tit. <laughs> yeah. Here I am, one boob. <laughs> Every boy's dream. Every well, boy's have you ever fantasy. seen the, like? Yeah, I was thinking about like fast food and burger commercials are always they put two burgers together yeah. and then a guy has sex oh, yeah, in I between the two burgers. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I forgot about that. That subtly plays to the desire for you know status and sex and you yeah. know immortality. Yeah, and French fries are a million dicks. Oh, you just man. want to eat them all up. <laughs> I guess now that I think about it, you know those Tim Horton commercials for breakfast sandwiches? Absolutely. I guess they do usually end with the hoser guy having sex with the breakfast sandwich. Yeah. Never thought about that. And sometimes it takes this ad takes longer than other times if he's Right. If he's not had too much whiskey dick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating stuff, Mike. Thank you, Mr. H. (laughs) Edward Bernays. Boy, oh boy. McDonald's French fries. They keep you safe. Yeah, <laughs> McDonald's French fries. Think of it like a dick, honey. I think there's someone in in the living room, and they broke through the window. Here, eat this French fry. <laughs> Get some power. <laughs> oh, gum commercials. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like the gum commercials are like if you're gonna have hot sex. Yeah, chew a piece of gum. Hey, yeah. only men chew gum. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when did gum commercials? Go from being aimed at children who were like skipping around and playing stickball and chewing bubble gum to like, you're about to have unprotected sex. <laughs> you need to dr- chew some gum. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever the flavor's gone from my gum, my boner's gone away and I'm safe again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, Edward Bernays. Mm. If it was no Bernays, there wouldn't be a Dentine Ice commercials. Nope. So, um, so I guess it's time to bring out the evil Oh look, it's got a nice big plate of bacon and it's smoking a cigarette. Half a pound. Oh, yeah. thanks, Evilometer. Oh, look at this bacon. Hey, mm. I'm reminded of those uh, viral jokes from ten years ago. Bacon. Yes. <laughs> bacon. Because bacon. Because yeah. keep calm and bacon. Yes. Uh, yeah. And yeah. bacon on. Hey, um, bacon had such a moment ten years it ago. It was. 
awesome. That's all from Bernays. It really is. You yeah. can trace it. I love craft beer and bacon. Yeah. You're yeah. The, the truly modern man. Yeah. Um, you were saying, Mike? Oh, I was just going to ask Evilometer. Do you happen to have any bananas on you? Uh, oh, look. A little hole is opening up in the back of <laughs> the Evilometer. And a, and a peeled banana is oh, popping he's out. Sort of, he's excreting a banana. Yeah, well, we can still eat it. Yeah. He's it's a, a robot. Chiquita. Yeah. Who wants to go first, gentlemen? I'm going to give him an eight. Holy shite. Whoa, whoa. whoa. Yeah, because... Uh, I don't know. It's no, I like it. Like, I like it. Bold, a bold take. Remember the uh, fridge guy and stuff. It's kind of <laughs> like that. It's the fridge like, guy. Yeah, Ridgely, the the yeah. the gas guy. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Freon. Yeah, the leaded gas. And the Freon. So his creations led to making the world a worse place. Yeah, the the casualties it's caused because. Uh, I'm a real, uh, you know, stickler for freedom, and I don't like mental manipulation. And we live, we're drenched in it these days. I mean, mm-hmm. it would have come along, and it was a part of life and human nature before Bernays for sure. But you know, he, f- like what you said, he fast tracked this kind of psychological um, manipulation, and I don't know. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Chris says, "Fuck him." Wow. Okay, you go next, Mike. I have to think about mine still. Yeah, it's too bad that Freud's nephew uh, revolutionized PR instead of a different nephew. You know, maybe uh, who's a nephew that could have been... Uh, Do you think there's actually a kind man out there in existence ever? Um, we will get back to you once we, do, once we look into this matter, Mr. Locke. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a one-off. We talked about that a one-off nice a special episode called "Kind Men." Kind Men, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Um, I wonder if Young's nephew would have. Uh, been, he was a PR guy better. for yeah. uh, you know sausages and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know oranges. Yeah, um, I'm going to give Edward Bernays, who made a lot of people smoke and probably die young. Um, and helped overthrow uh, government and led to uh, misery in Guatemala. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give him an 8.3. Oh, you guys gasped when I said 8, and you're knocking wow. it up a notch. Okay. I I hate uh, what he hath wrought. Okay. But I'm kind of like, is he very interesting? And I think what he what he brought into the world is really bad, but... I don't know. I'm kind of stuck on his intent. I mean, I think he was just trying to... He was making money and didn't care that it might have a bad effect on the world. Could he have foreseen how bad? I don't know. So I don't think I can give him that high because like, I think his influence was very, very, very bad. But he as a person, you know, was he... Aware, aware to the degree that it that it would be bad. You know what I mean. So I think I have to give him like a like a three point eight. Okay, I know that's crazy. I I find like do you know what I'm saying though? Like his his he influence is very in bad. But yeah. he is a person. I don't know. Could he could he be justifying these things and not think he's a bad person? Maybe right. Possibly, I don't know. Here's a question I have: with his skills and talents and abilities, could, how could you use that knowledge of how to change people's minds and behavior? How could you use for, that for, for good? good instead of to make That's people a good smoke? Point. What would you do? Like 
make everyone love each other? Like, how do you? That's a really uh, good point. I was trying to think of that earlier like, too. Uh, be kinder to each other, or like, don't litter. Like, like literally, it would be like the idea of of um, paying taxes to help people who are worse off than you is good. You know, things yeah. like that. It or would be a harder project. Paying your but taxes. So there have been litter so, campaigns so, that work. There have been. Or so, to not be racist would be a good. Yes, a good everybody one is equal. <laughs> You yeah. know, um, paying for poor people's health care is good for society and a good thing to do. Like, yeah, but those, instead, if somehow yeah. they could use them for those ideas, but you're right. It feels like they'd only ever be used to manipulate people, I guess, for good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But now when you get like a big TV production company and they put a show together where it's got a real like diverse cast and then even the themes of the show uh are diverse and like are literally saying the message like you shouldn't be mean to so and so just because of this there's a still a huge faction of guys like what you were saying watching that show going like hey you're trying to trick me (laughs) into the white race will be gone now (laughs) it's like what yeah You'll always have those guys like reacting. How come me so and my true. friends don't have our own Atlanta? <laughs> also, a lot of positive marketing campaigns, uh, grassroots, do start up, but they're not headed by the giant corporations that make money off of the stuff that needs to be changed. Mo- yeah, there's no money in saying like, "Hey, be nice to everybody." Yeah, <laughs> hey, try electric cars and the yeah. big yeah, like that's been our issue for fucking thirty, forty years right now. Yeah. Damn, man. We're kind of doomed, huh? No, we're having a great time. <laughs> yeah, and but it's okay. We'll have fun. We, we, if only we just had a benevolent dictator. Been yeah. saying it for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's <laughs> hey, no matter what, we still have bananas and they're delicious. Uh, amen to right? that. Hey, yeah. this dictator. How his dictate? <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> to put a cap on the show... Um, Want a bite of my banana? I uh, don't usually do that kind of thing, but sure, I'll have a little bite. Do you want to um, peel it from the top? Sure. Uh, okay, there uh, we go. Oh, you peel it in a weird way. All right. <laughs> Chris, mm. do you want a bite of this banana just in honor of the show? Sure. Mm. I like how we all make that noise when we, we bite it. James, are you not going to have a little piece of your oh, own I'll banana? I'll eat the last bite. Mm. <laughs> That's a delicious banana, mm. and that was also a delicious episode of This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. 